Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Data Unchained. I am Molly Presley, your host. So let me tell you just a little bit about what this podcast is about for those of you who may not have joined us yet. The paradigm for data access has really changed. In today's decentralized world, getting data to remote workers, to distributed applications, across across different clouds and cloud regions can really be a challenge. And figuring out what content is hidden with that data is even more difficult. Data Unchained digs into the challenges and solutions to make data an asset as a globally accessible resource. Today's guest, Vishwas Prabhu, is a data scientist at Twist Bioscience. Vishwas, thank you so much for joining us today. Yep, thanks for having me, Molly. Yeah. You bet. So tell us a little bit about the the company that you work for, Twist Bioscience, as well as kind of how, what was your background that brought you to Twist? Yeah. Uh, so Twist Bioscience, as we know it, like it's a um, it's a uh, it's a biotech company that focuses on building a lot of synthetic biology products. So uh, one of the main products uh, is genes. Uh, so uh, it's and it's uh, that's the strong suit of uh, Twist. So the department that I work in, uh, that's biopharma, uh, leverages this uh, by, uh, this strong suit and then helps build our customers. Uh, and uh, reformatting these antibodies and then testing it out. So, uh, yeah, uh, regarding my background, so uh, I'm a data scientist at Twist Bioscience. Uh, I work in the biopharma uh, division of Twist. So that's uh, primarily focused on antibody discovery. So, uh, yeah, generally my work involves uh, developing these data pipelines uh, from analysis to even predictions using machine learning uh, and a uh, lot of uh, tools, uh, building a lot of tools around this. So uh, a bit of my background in education, like I did my bachelor's in chemical engineering and then my master's was in data science. So uh, that's, uh, uh, yeah. And in terms of some personal interests, I love uh, exploring new places, going out and cycling and uh, various other sports. So, yeah. Excellent. And your background in... Um chemistry or chemical engineering is intersecting with biotech and um, the idea of a data scientist role. Is that common? Do most data scientists in your space have more of a scientific background or do they generally come from the IT space? Uh, if you look at, uh, if you look at it, this uh, at some level, people do have some kind of degree in either biotech or chemical engineering uh, to begin with, but then uh, you also need to have some background in CS. Uh, so um, yeah, that's that's I, I've observed. Like in most cases, uh, people do have it uh, sometimes by chance, uh, and sometimes by uh, it's because of that uh, degree that you'll uh, get into this field. Sometimes, okay. yeah, it's 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 very common then, uh, more common than you see. Yeah. So what was your journey like? How did you choose your both your educational as well as your career path? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, my journey has not been that straightforward to uh, to be really <laughs> honest so uh, mine yeah, hasn't but, either i understand yeah, <laughs> yeah so but uh, thing is like uh, i've always been fascinated by science technology uh, and even the math behind uh, all the things so uh, i always used to wonder like how is this made how is uh, 
what goes behind it so uh, that's that's my uh, beginning of why i chose chemical engineering because uh, when i grew up uh, i grew up in an industrial town in india so a lot of chemical plants and uh, a lot of uh, industries uh, around chemical based refinery based and all those stuff so that's how i got into chemical engineering so uh, right after my bachelor's i joined uh, reliance industries uh, so that was uh, which is one of the largest which operates one of the largest refineries in the world so uh, i was working uh, around uh, petrochemicals and uh, all these plants initially and then uh, my journey began there uh, i moved into data uh, science position there uh, in the research and development where i was working in renewable energy space so uh, so there is like my background in chemical engineering uh, was starting to go towards computational side uh, as i joined reliance uh, in the research research and development group where i was building some models based on kinetics and uh, trying to leverage the data uh, and eventually i moved to a data scientist position at a pharmaceutical company called acg world which uh, which uh, again has second largest uh, which is one of the largest uh, tableting comp- uh, companies uh, tableting manufacturer uh, in the world so uh, that's uh, where i worked on some of the iot platforms uh, and data coming from this uh, uh, iot sensors and analysis of that th- those data sets so after this point i realized i need to uh, upgrade my skills and uh, really step step up and i decided to do my masters uh, so i came to united states for my masters and uh, yeah i during the course of the masters i joined twist bioscience uh, uh, as a data science intern and then after my masters decided to pursue this uh, jo- uh, jo- job full time and yeah that's how i ended up in biotech field uh, so the journey has not really been <laughs> like a straightforward path i would say uh, it's been like lot of uh, fields that i've explored and uh, that's how i ended up here as a data scientist uh, at twist bioscience so and that's a great destination i mean you think about the interest in data science right now in pretty much any industry in the field any geography is just data science is such an important part of any type of business right now um if you're thinking if you're thinking about folks listening to this show and a lot of the people who listen to data unchained are focused on different parts of the data workflow and data generation um components of their business um if how would you explain or suggest people get started if they wanted to be a data scientist um whether it's in life sciences or else how would you get recommend they get started yeah uh, j- uh to get started you really don't need to uh like learn a lot about machine learning to begin with you just need to uh try to find use cases in your current work uh and then try to apply those use cases and see if those interest you uh and then try to move from there and start i would say start uh, building your portfolio of data science projects uh if the if the field really interests you uh and then also pursue uh, some online courses to begin with to build up your skills uh, as you move along the journey and if you really feel that this is not enough then i would say go do a higher degree uh in data science uh, either masters uh or even a bachelor's degree uh, this can be done even online or uh, on campus uh, so 
that's that's a path i would suggest so uh, but yeah if different people have different paths so i chose the path which involves masters degree but uh, it might not be for everyone uh, you might not need that degree to uh, actually get into the field uh, you can directly get into the field by applying data science to the job that you currently have and identifying use cases uh, yeah okay great and when you think about at twist bioscience and your workflow can you tell us a little bit about the tools you're using and kind of the workflow that your data pipeline is set up with yeah uh my workflow primarily involves uh, using open source tools like python and uh, open source uh, ml libraries such as uh, sklearn uh, pytorch and various visualization libraries such as matplotlib seaborn plotly and all these libraries uh, pandas uh, yeah all these open source tools to handle data so uh so this these tools you uh these are uh, these are the things that you would use in any field uh of data science and yeah these are the building blocks for the data science professional i would say uh and for some of the heavy uh heavy uh, high throughput data workflows i use pyspark so this uh, this is the distributed uh, compute for scaling some of the workflows across uh, various uh various nodes uh, or you can say various servers so this really helps leverage uh the uh, power of distributed computing so this is another skill i would say uh, that is uh that is needed uh, and is part of, uh, of data scientists workflow in general so uh, yeah and uh, also uh, some of the t- uh, tools involve natural language processing being able to parse text data textual or string data so these things uh, these things are day to day i use in my day to day work uh, i would say okay And what kind of problems at Twist Bioscience are you and your peers and the the data team looking to solve? Yep. Uh so so if you if you look at uh, the uh the problems the problems would be uh the primary goal of uh, uh antibody discovery is to uh get to that perfect clinical candidate, right? So uh and i've seen in the past uh, podcasts that you had hosted so there are various uh, people working at clinical stage uh, that's that's on the patient side you are testing it on either patient side or uh, it's being tested in labs uh, after yeah but uh, the workflow that i'm involved in is how do you reach that stage so uh, so to begin with uh you uh, for a antibody discovery space to begin with uh if you look at the antibody itself it has a 100 residues uh in like it has a heavy chain and a light chain component uh okay. in it and each of the chains have 100 possible um residues the, those are amino acids and uh, you know that there are 20 amino acids at each position right so mm-hmm. if you do the math uh for f- the space that we are looking at for antibodies is 10 power 80 so that's to give a context that's more than the number of atoms in the universe so you Massive. start with that <laughs> and you need to get to one clinical candidate so the way you do that uh those are the tri- kind of problems we are trying to solve how to get to that clinical candidate for our clients and how we uh, how we leverage the power of data and uh, le- leverage the power of compute 
uh, to get to that perfect clinical candidate and some of the questions involved like how you uh, from this space of 10 power 80 how you get to a reduced space where the sequences are like um, possible candidates and then uh, you can perform experiments based on these smaller set compared to a larger 10 power 80 uh, so how do you intelligently reduce the sample space at each point so that's the question that we are trying to solve and uh, through data and all this compute uh, and machine learning so yeah that's the that's the overview of what we are trying to solve and as you think about the data sets i mean these are massively complicated data sets trying to distill it to something simple um are they all data sets that you own at a, as a company or you gain data sets from industry collaboration kind of where is that all coming from yeah uh some of the data set uh, like we know it uh is after after the pandemic uh the there the, like you can you can see go back to the literature and see that after the pandemic the really the open source boom started and that's where uh, various protein data banks and antibody databases uh started updating so now you have uh, uh you have lot of data collected uh for proteins and even antibodies uh open source data uh, for example if you look at uh OAS database which is observed antibody space dataset that has uh, billions of records of antibodies uh, which which can be leveraged so uh, there are open source models that are built on top of it like uh, you, if you look at uh, protein space there are open source model like ESM from meta so uh, these language models enable enable lot of uh, workflows uh these kind of open source language models uh, even even uh, there are language models on hugging face if you look at it so uh these open source uh, models and open source technologies uh, are now uh, being leveraged to kind of uh kind of build technology on top of open source as well as like uh, there are proprietary datasets where uh, you create data uh, datasets from the experiments that you perform so uh so that's that's one uh, area that's the open source and the other area is when you have experimental data from an uh, ngs sequencing that's millions of rows so how do you make sense out of it uh, you cannot manually pick sequences from millions of sequences right like how do you intelligently pick sequences so that's the second kind of data set that's uh, that's kind of closed source i would say from experimental uh, experimental evidence or experimental uh, methods you get generate these data sets and uh, you would yeah you would uh, you would need to pick candidates out of this so that's the that's the kind of uh, scale that you're looking at uh, billions of data set uh, billions of rows for the open source and millions in the order of millions for the uh, for the closed source ngs sequencing data set kind of yeah problems when you think about the tools you've put together and um like you say in some ways they're a standard tool set for a data scientist no matter which industry you're coming from um but when you think about the tools you're building for the consumers of your data the the researchers the scientists um how how does that work how do you translate mathematics and python and things like that to something usable by a scientist yes the way you do that is uh you would want to generally simplify you would you wouldn't want a scientist to run a code right you they want them to focus on uh, 
their work that's uh, translating science into business so uh for a data scientist you uh, for the for a data scientist working in a bioinformatics team you would be really focusing on the back end of building the infrastructure and finally this would translate to uh, a scientist using that tool either uh, he would enter in the parameters he wants and gets the output he uh, the desired output that he wants from the analysis so the analysis pipeline is what a data scientist would be building uh, in any company uh, especially in a biotech where uh, you want scientists to le- make use of the data so a data scientist uh, really uh, is able to build those custom pipelines in the back end and take care of all the distributed computing and all the machine learning and uh, all the data analysis part of it is wrapped in a workflow and it's in the back end that's how a data scientist in a bioinformatics uh, uh, space would work uh, and a scientist or the end user would just be using the uh, using the input parameters either through a ui or a uh, or a workflow uh, and just getting the output of the analysis yeah got it got it and so i know you design those to help your end users and the scientists internally but you mentioned that potentially some of these tools will be licensed externally as well is that um a part of growing your business or sharing data or why would your company go down that route yes uh so uh, something like uh if you are, if you have seen twist uh, uh, offerings we have uh, twist antibody optimization as well uh tau software so this is uh, one of the one of the early uh, one of the tools that we have on the website and we'll be coming up with more tools more such tools in the future as well so uh so the reason why we have this is like we want to uh we want to have all kind of uh, all the kind of services for our customers the uh, main services that twist offers is uh in vitro that's in the lab discovery in the lab and now with the uh, acquisition of abberis we have uh in vivo that's the experiments in uh, uh animals or cells uh, if you say uh, and then uh, the third pillar that's in silico this is this is the compute platform uh, and this is basically discovery in the computer in silico so uh, this is also that's th- this is the reason why we want to go into this uh, space where uh we have specialization and end to end workflows built uh for our customers and it would be a one stop shop solution uh for the customers coming in and they wouldn't have to leave the platform so that's the idea okay great so let's just to help the audience understand a little bit better what these tools looks look like can you share just a little bit more on that side yeah so uh these uh these tools as we mentioned earlier uh, are are here to help scientists make a better informed decision uh that's backed by data so uh you can look at it uh, like a example of a x-ray how an x-ray helps a doctor make a better diagnostic uh based on the additional information from the x-ray so uh if for instance if you look at an example from a uh for if if for example a scientist wants to study a 3d structure of an antibody uh or a protein uh, or a certain protein property he wants to estimate so having a 3d structure of the antibody uh he can really accurately generate those structures uh and then be able to uh calculate this certain properties like surface charge or surface hydrophobicity and all these things uh so these tools really enable uh enable the scientists uh to make better informed decision that's backed by data uh so yeah that's the that's the analogy i would give uh, excellent yeah yeah 
and that's something I think all of us can yes somewhat and, easily uh, relate to. <laughs> yes, and uh, to add this, uh, uh, developing these tools that are capable of uh, having high throughput analysis really uh, accelerates uh, the way we uh, take decisions. So, uh, and this can be leveraged to the distributed computing uh, that uh, that we have. So makes yeah. sense. So before we wrap up, I do want to talk this, the listeners to this show are interested in data pipelines and infrastructure as well as the use cases for data. Can you tell us just a little bit to whatever depth you're comfortable about um, how do you get your data to your tools? How do you keep it secure? You know, um, don't share anything confidential, of course, but just a little bit about where your data lives and moves around would be very interesting. Yes. Uh, so the data that we generate gets generated in instruments. So uh, these these instrument uh, the data that uh, from the instruments are then uh, then stored in a secure cloud environment. Uh, it can be like Azure, GCP, AWS. So uh, our workflows would then uh, start at this point. So uh, we would uh, pull this data from the uh, data lake where the in- instruments had. Uh, dumped the data so these um, these workflows would go there pick the data and we would perform our analysis and this is generally done in a distributed way so uh, on a remote cluster again so so we are not actually leaving the uh, uh, leaving the confines of the uh, confines of the cloud i would say so f- f- for example I, I can give you a workflow uh, how it looks like so if you have a aws infrastructure in the back end uh, the data would go to s3 and then from s3 it can be picked up by a workflow that's running in uh, sagemaker uh, and uh, the analysis would be performed and then uh, the output would then be uh, going to a front end uh, or or internal or external website uh, and displayed there so uh, the tools that we use in the uh, compute environment are all the data science tools that I mentioned earlier. So uh, this is how a typical workflow would look like. And of course, like you can have, uh, uh, you can uh, in terms of uh, these workflows, you can have scripts running uh, as well instead of the notebook environment I mentioned. So these scripts uh, again are developed. Uh, based on some IDs such as VS Code, PyCharm, and uh, all such IDs. So uh, in terms of uh, the notebook itself, it can be something like a Jupyter notebook that's running on a cluster, or a SageMaker that's again running on a EC2 instance in the backend, or a Databricks uh, notebook, which is uh, leveraging the uh, distributed nature of uh, uh, distributed computing that's running on multiple nodes, uh, and running PySpark in the backend. Uh, so like this is how uh, how the tools align and how a typical workflow would look like so yeah excellent and as we look at kind of where things are going and what we might want to leave folks with i'd love to have you comment a little bit on um where do you see ai and ml in your field you know you can't pick up anything without hearing about right now so this is great it would be interesting to see where you what your perspective and then just maybe a little bit more about where to learn about twist if folks are interested in more about your science or your tools or anything along those lines? Yes. Uh, so uh, you mentioned AI and ML uh, in the beginning. So uh, in today's age, I don't think any field is immune to this, these terms. Uh, and these, uh, as we have seen in the generation of chat GPT and large language models, this field is really uh, booming. And I would say uh, the workflows of 
like in two years would look completely different from how they look now so uh, the space is evolving very rapidly a lot of research a lot of open source uh, tools a lot of open source models based on machine learning and ai are uh, coming into the field of biotech that's uh, especially in, t- in the field of protein engineering and antibody engineering so uh, these tools uh, these tools uh, are increasingly using ai uh, the the actual term behind ai would be i would say language models uh, that's synonymous with ai in today's uh, uh, scenario when you talk about ai it's a, a language model that's the main part of that ai uh, so uh, these these language models or large language models uh, are are trained on like this large databases i mentioned earlier uh, which have billions of records in them so they they try to understand the grammar pick up the grammar mm-hmm. from the uh, protein or antibody uh, space so that's like uh, how humans learn uh, english or any other language uh, for example so uh, they would you wouldn't need to uh, specify that to a child when uh, when a child is learning a language you don't tell a child that this is verb this is noun they pick pick that up on their own so mm-hmm. similarly uh, how an uh, how ai or language models uh, or a neural network learns is that they would learn, pick up this uh nuances from the language by itself so uh so that's uh, that's a bit on ai and ml and the for, to answer the second question uh that's uh yeah uh, to add to the like let me add a couple of things more to the first question so we have seen the field being revolutionized ever since uh the alpha fold uh alpha fold models got released so that is solving the protein folding problems which had mm-hmm. been a, a mystery before mm-hmm. before alpha fold uh uh came in so that's one of the first tools uh, open source tools that was accurately uh, able to describe the protein folding and uh, ever since that we have had a uh, explosion in this field uh, explosion in open source resources available open source models available uh, and lot of uh this was based on structure and now we have a lot of language models again coming in to the field of protein uh uh protein engineering uh yeah and yeah as you as you can see uh, you know where it's going like there's lot of research again going on uh in this space so uh it's 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 a bit hard to keep up at some point uh with the uh, advances in the literature and open source tools that are getting built honestly so uh yeah that's uh, it's hard that's, to keep uh, up even with yeah. the language and the new things that are evolving much less how yes, to use even them the jargons, and be an expert yeah, yeah exactly even the jargons are uh, mm-hmm. if you look at the jargons uh, there are like few short a uh, few shorts uh, zero shorts uh, and something like uh, fine tuning transfer learning like these are some of the jargons that are uh, that you see in the field of ai uh, mm-hmm. and very easy to confuse uh, each of these jargons with uh, what they mean uh, yeah and it's 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 evolving at a much rapid space uh yes and and uh, i'll answer the second part of the question now so which was uh, how how do you learn more about twist bioscience or what we do uh, or what the workflows are uh, i would say the best uh, best best uh, space to go learn about this is uh, on our youtube channel uh, there are like lot of videos from uh, our cto aaron sato uh, the, the, these uh, these videos uh, are again recordings of either uh some of the conferences or 
external audiences that we had done in the past so that's uh, and also some of the videos from our ceo emily liprost so uh, you can you can watch these videos and get some insights uh, i would say that's the best resource to Excellent. go apart from the twist website so Vishwas, thank you so much for taking your time today. Um, I, I, I would say sometimes the data scientist role for the non-IT specialist is a bit of a dark art. You know, it's difficult to understand how it folds in. And there's so much complexity to the tools and the, and the math and the data. Um, I, I get, I've been asked regularly to have a data scientist come onto this show. And so here you are. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. Yes, thank you, Molly, for having me again. Like this is a great platform, and I've I've been getting a lot of uh, uh, messages on LinkedIn on like the exact questions you asked, how to get into the field, and uh, what are the kind of tools you use, and like these are some of the commonly asked questions, and I feel like it's a lot useful for someone new to the field to understand where to start and what tools, what are the right tools to use. So yeah, that's a. Uh, it's a gr- great podcast, I feel like, uh, and it's a good decision, I think. you. Excellent. But, yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time and sharing your expertise. Have a great weekend. <laughs> you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Data Unchained, powered by Hammerspace. To learn more, visit hammerspace.com. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at hammerspace.com. Music